Hello, thanks for joining in today. If you have been up watching the Oscars and you're looking for some more commentary that's a little more anchored in reality, hope to provide some for you today. So let's see. The Oscars is beautiful, people wear fancy dresses, uh, but it kind of overlooks the fact that America's constitution was recently effectively overturned by the fact that the greatest deliberative body in the world managed to be so derelict in exercising their duty that they failed to call witnesses or have documents produced for the trial of Donald J. Trump. Just to reduce the amount of information available in the public sphere, to shrink the spotlight, as it were, of uh, truth and justice on the crimes and misconduct of the American president. And we can see emboldened fascists marching in Washington, D.C. We can see um, the vengeance, the illegal uh, uh, moves to punish witnesses that are... The illegal moves to punish witnesses that occurred when yesterday uh, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman and Lieutenant Colonel uh, Evgeny Vindman were both frog-marched out of the White House uh, to humiliate them both. Not only a witness who was compelled by subpoena to testify on the contents of a Trump call, but also his twin brother. Because when you start punishing families, then, yeah, it's, you're making it really more obvious that you're a fascist state trying to intimidate people out of blowing the whistle or testifying about your conduct. So somebody in the comment section is swearing at me, but I'm ignoring that because it's true. The, the f unfolding fascism in America stands in stark contrast to the glitz and glamour of the Oscars. So it's important for us to take time out and say, as attracted as we are to shiny things, it's so important to remember that responsible adults shouldn't shy away from problems, problems with governance, problems with corruption, etc. Adults aren't supposed to just take refuge in pleasurable, pleasing spectacle. Hello. Uh, so yes, that's my point of view about that and I hope people are ready and interested to take a journey with me today down some informational tunnels. And I'm waving at people uh, who are familiar listeners and solid audience contributors for, the, for this broadcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm going to wave at people who uh, say hello just so that I don't disrupt the broadcast flow because I'm also taping this for a podcast. So let's see. Let's cross to uh, this thread, which is quite an interesting thread because it brings receipts and it's got a lot of information that I think is really critical because uh, spoiler candidates in contention for the Democratic primary are of significant concern to me because I don't want fascism to win and no Democratic president uh, has succeeded without a significant uh, black voting base in support of them. And Sanders doesn't have that, that supportive base it's time to talk more about why. So here we have a, an account, uh, KAJSA. 
she writes that Bernie's embrace of Joe Rogan and the bros' embrace of the alt-right has reminded me that it's time for a timeline of everything Bernie Sanders has done on behalf of civil rights and the liberation of black people from white supremacy. So we start with some legitimate things that Bernie did in 1961. He participated in a testing project to verify whether or not the University of Chicago was honoring its anti-discrimination policy. So uh, his team were right. They proved that the University of Chicago discriminated. So he had test, gave testimony on segregated housing. He also participated in a sit-in to protest housing discrimination at the University of Chicago. Uh, and he probably attended the March on Washington and he protested against school segregation in Chicago. He was arrested and fined $25. So that's in 1963. $25 is a considerable amount with inflation since then. Uh, 1964, he did not vote. He graduated and moved to New York. 1965, he did nothing, did nothing, did nothing, did nothing, did not vote. Moved to VT. That's, that's Virginia. Nothing, did not vote, nothing. 1972, ran for governor, voted for himself, lost. Ran for U.S. Senator, lost. 1973, nothing. 1974, ran for U.S. Senate, lost. Nothing, nothing, ran for governor, lost. Uh, 1977, nothing, resigned from Liberty Union Party. 1978, nothing. Nine, nothing. 1980, nothing, ran for mayor and won. 1981, endorsed Jesse Jackson for mayor of Burlington. 1982, nothing, 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 nothing. 1988, nothing, ran for the U.S. House, lost. 1989, nothing. 1990, nothing, but ran for the U.S. House and won with NRA help. So don't forget that NRA, critical backing of Bernie Sanders' political career. And should you wish to Google this article in theweek.com about the NRA helping to elect Bernie Sanders, running for a Vermont. Ah, VT is not Virginia, it's Vermont. Right, Vermont Senate seat. All right, more. Oh, go back, go back. We have to look at more because there's more. More nothing. All right, 1991, in the Senate, sorry, in the U.S. House, nothing, did not introduce a single bill on civil rights, 1992 did not introduce a single bill on civil rights, or 1993, or 1994, 1995. 1996, nothing. 1997, he introduced a bill to protect victims of domestic violence from insurance discrimination. Thanks for doing something, Bernie. 1998, nothing on behalf of minority people, but came out in favour of a Sierra Blanca nuclear dump site. Met with Sierra Club, but they did not change his mind. So it was a nuclear waste disposal site in a Texan town, I think that was significantly populated by people of colour, uh, Latin, Latin American people. So 1999, nothing on civil rights, but he did vote for the Sierra Blanca waste disposal site. Uh, and Sierra Blanca turned out to be offering financial benefits to his wife, Jane Sanders. And they're still profiting from the Sierra Blanca nuclear waste dump. 
Okay, nothing in 2001 or 2002 or 2003. Anything in 2004, Bernie Sanders? No. 2005, he runs for Senate and wins in 2006. First year in the Senate in 2007, does nothing on civil rights but does kill immigration reform, gave an anti-immigrant bigot interview with Lou Dobbs. He endorses Barack Obama once it's down to two candidates in 2008. Didn't help with ACA. Did nothing in 2010. In 2011, did nothing for minoritized people, but did introduce a resolution saying corporations are not people. Which is true, they're not. Oh, started advocating for Barack Obama to have a primary challenge in 2011. Wow. Wow, Bernie Sanders did nothing for civil rights in 2013 or 2014. Did hire his first black employee in 2015, not for his staff, but for his campaign. 2016, nothing, although he did say identity politics were a distraction. Well, that's good. Let's see if I've got any exciting comments at present. VT is Vermont. Yes, thanks, Brian. Nice to see you. Hello, Paul. Bernie says he won't show his medical records, breaking a campaign promise that he made earlier in his campaign, in his primary run, saying he would release his medical records about his heart attack. I guess to show exactly how much damage was done to his heart. Uh, many people who have a heart attack after the age of 75 die within three years of having that heart attack. And the figures are higher for people who don't undertake significant cardio rehabilitation work, which Bernie is not doing. So, yes, I hope we're all on board. Uh, it would be good if more of us were on board. It would be good if this information got out. Do you know what? I think, oh, look, 2018-19, still no bills for civil rights proposed by Senator Bernie Sanders. They say 2019, you'd think he would do one just because he was running for president, but nope, not even interested enough to pretend to be interested. And 2020, nothing so far, although he has embraced Joe Rogan, who uses racial epithets and compares black people to apes, and even retweeted Joe Rogan. Uh, People. She points out also there's non-legislative things that he's done, uh, such as saying guns in Vermont are not the same as guns in Chicago, uh, turning people against Black Lives Movement, campaigning for a white anti-choice man versus a Native American woman. Lordy. This is very critical. He's argued that economics is a solution to racism, as if only impoverished people are racist, when if you know any Trump supporters, you probably know that many of them are white, reasonably well, well, reasonably well off people, non-college educated, but, but have money and support Donald Trump because they are racist. Uh, and racism informs what they talk about, what they care about, what they're anxious about. So, no, having a roof over your head and adequate income does not, is not a panacea against racism and does not even begin to address uh, the problem of deriving a sense of superiority from a fake hierarchy of racial superiority that you organise in your head and share with others. 
So she says she can think of dozens of things Bernie has done that have been detrimental to people of colour due to his dismissal of identity politics, his gun positions and his crime positions. But this thread was covering what he did to advance civil rights specifically and it wasn't much. So, yes, that is key. And the interesting thing is, for me is that interview he gave to Lou Dobbs uh, when he was sabotaging the the um, the immigration bill because lack of uh, lack of immigration reform has made it difficult in the U.S. Difficult to say yes, there's consensus that America benefits from migrants. Uh, it benefits when you have a slowing fertility rate to have people come in, especially migrants who typically bring uh, that energy, that vitality and that uh, higher likelihood of starting a successful business that employs other Americans. Yes, statistics say, and I can finally actually bring up my favourite article to reference now that I have this technology. Harvard Business Review, Migrants Businesses. Because we can look online, I can share on screen with you. <laughs> okay, hooray. Migrants play a disproportionate role in American entrepreneurship. We will cross to this one. So bear with me for a second. Open a tab. And then we'll have a little look at that. There. Um, Oral points out that Mayor Pete officially wins Iowa, and that's very exciting. Jason wants to know if Noon is getting indicted. Nunes, that's probably how I say it. It would be lovely if Nunes got indicted. Uh, under fascism, it does sometimes seem that people and institutions can get cowed by the amount of power wielded by the president. Although, having said that, he made it evident he was very opposed to the whistleblower, and I'm talking about Trump, and he tweeted in a very uh, belligerent, stochastic terrorist kind of way at the whistleblower. Uh, and then more whistleblowers came forward or more people came forward to testify about Trump's behaviour, criminal behaviour. So his rantings didn't deter people. So it's to be hoped that enough people in America can find their determination to fight back against fascism, against the fascist degradation of all of the democratic protections. I th protections is a good word because I need to stop just saying democracy is being degraded because we need more working class people to, to join in and to vote. Uh, it's not enough to just keep talking in $5 words that maybe mean something to people who are proud of their political science classes. We need to build consensus. And I've always said that I needed to work on expressing things more simply and I invite you all to help me. But 
yes, there's definitely so much more work to be done in that front and, and I can try harder. Hi, Paul. I'm, thanks for asking how I am. How are you? More to the point. I hope you're doing okay and wishing you all the best. Power to the people. Uh, so, yes, I'm going to try and use the term fascism degrades the protections of democracy because people need to realise that, yes, it wasn't just Jews who suffered under Hitler. Germans suffered. The world suffered. Uh, we need to make it more individualised, more relatable for people to see how corruption can affect your lifestyle. And I often think that we need to do that by being louder about the economy because Trump, it's a waste of time to call Trump stupid. He is a manipulator. He is a con man. He's had decades of practice at it. You can't deride those efforts as stupid. When he tells lies, it's not because he's unacquainted with the truth. It's because he knows what he needs to sell people on to keep propping up his access to power and thus, his, and thus maintain his ability to evade legal consequences, to evade justice and evade accountability. He's, a, he's an artful dodger, as it were. Book smarts, no, not a great deal. Interest in acquiring knowledge, not humble enough but very much a man with political instincts around, with, with very fascist political instincts, a man with an ear for what his base needs to hear and needs to be able to continue believing about him. So they need to believe he's strong, that he breaks the rules for them. They enjoy that. They've got a very built-in antipathy towards American democracy, towards American legal protections for the weak and the vulnerable, uh, they want to overturn that in their quest for uh, additional nationalistic strength and additional power for religious people and additional power for men. So you're having a bit of a rough day today. I'm sorry to hear that. And I hope it improves or at least improves tomorrow. Uh, so, yes, I'm going to just scroll down a little bit more on this article, which is very important to me because I want Americans to know... Oh, Immigration is something we hear about often that there's a fixed number of jobs in the economy and immigrants just compete for a slice of the pie rather than helping the pie grow. That's, that's a good analogy. Immigrants help the pie grow. So I'm using a Harvard Business Review article even though I say we need to broaden the base of Trump opponents from, uh, to include more working class, non-college educated people but even here in a, in a college article, in a Harvard Review article, they are showing us the way of, of analogies to use to help people. So immigrants are helping that pie grow. And the rate of entrepreneurship has declined significantly in the US over the last 30 years, and fewer startups are being generated today. So lots of local and state governments have clamoured to launch initiatives to attract more immigrant entrepreneurs, hoping that they will find found businesses and create more jobs. Globally, many countries are doing the same. For example, Chile play, pays overseas entrepreneurs to come visit for six months through a startup program. But, but they have been trying to use research to address uh, entrepreneurship. Here are some key findings. 
Immigrants constitute 15% of the general U.S. workforce, but they account for around a quarter of U.S. entrepreneurs. So 15% of the workforce, but 25% of U.S. entrepreneurs, which is, we define as the top three initial earners in a new business. So this is also comparable to what they see in innovation and patent filings, where immigrants also account for about a quarter of U.S. investors. So this is information that gets buried and overlooked the more fascist propaganda circulates in a country. People get drunk on the artificial high, the shared omnipotence of fascism, that promise of unlimited power and unlimited devotion to advancing your own interests at the expense of, of principle and protections. So the immigrant share of entrepreneurship has been increasing dramatically since the mid-90s. It's sharper than the rise in immigrant share of all employees in new firms. So in total, 35 to 40% of new firms have at least one immigrant entrepreneur connected to the firm's creation. So look at this. We've got some immigrant entrepreneurship trends. More immigrants are founding businesses and working in new firms. VC of venture capital. Immigrant entrepreneurship is even stronger for venture capital-backed firms, with 31% of all venture capital-backed founders being immigrants. Uh, and Trump, his supporters will often talk about how he's only attacking uh, legal, Im illegal immigrants or immigrants who are irregular. Oh, irregular is a better word because it's not breaking the law. There's still uh, asylum provisions offered in America's constitution and in America's laws to asylum seekers. Uh, but yes, calling people illegals or saying that they're illegal immigrants is very dehumanizing and contributes greatly to uh, the fascist hold on people's certain voters' minds. So uh, They quantify um, Ooh. Okay. So young firms and new entrants have more dynamic patterns that foster greater job creation. So yes, the firms founded by immigrants close at a faster rate than firms founded by natives, but those that survive do grow at a faster rate in terms of employment, payroll, and establishment for the next six years. This phenomenon called up or out is how young firms create more jobs. Hmm. Growing fast in terms of employment, payroll, and establishment. Ah, yes, I've said this, I used to say this a lot, uh, that choices made by immigrants with relation to industry and geographic location are an important part of their good fit for, America, for American business industries. Uh, it's likely to be higher tolerance for risk because immigrants are willing to take on risk by moving, by emigrating to a new country. But also they have less geographic ties because they don't have established family in certain areas. They move to where there's areas of need and they help end bottlenecks in American industry. So they smooth out your... Um, they smooth out labour shortages and they, they fix problems that are... Uh, ramshackling uh, industry. 
So if we use statistical methods to statistical methods to control for the location and industry of where a company is started, immigrant entrepreneurs are more likely to survive than their native peers. All right. Ah, yes, a, a fact I've noted before, immigrants coming to the US as children are more likely to start larger firms than immigrants arriving as adults. So basically, you allow immigrants to come to America, you allow children, child immigrants to come to America, they grow up with the advantages of immigrant work ethics, immigrant um, exposure to how risks can work out for a family, and appreciation and gratitude for the new opportunities offered by the move. And they are more likely to be geographically flexible to move to areas of need, uh, have more of a big picture eye to areas of need and to start successful businesses. Firms created by immigrants who have grown up in the US are generally associated with better outcomes in terms of lower closure rates and higher representation among larger firms. Much remains to be done here, but we hope this serves as a springboard to the study of other migrant traits. So I am doing this not out of a strong, long-standing interest in business. I'm doing that out of a need to rehabilitate the very idea of immigration in an increasing, in a world that is increasingly subject to fascist propaganda. And if we sit back on our normalcy bias and just allow the discourse to be dominated by motivated cr criminals and grifters, who like capitalizing on the inherent suspicions resident in human nature and we allow bad faith arguments about others and the danger of outgroups to to grab even more of a foothold in our consciousness and our societies then we have more fascists demonstrating in the streets to say keep america pure we have more jewish people being attacked in the street more gunmen going into synagogues with weapons uh, more countries like Puerto Rico suffering from lack of delivered aid and then lack of public outrage about the fact that they are being uh, left to die after, after various climate-driven natural disasters devastate their, their territory. Puerto Rico is part of America and uh, racism and rejection of people who are non-white Christian Americans has devastating outcomes for communities which aren't dominated by white Christian Americans. So Zed Captron says, I think we had laws that guarantee asylum. There are various constitutional protections offered to people who are who seek asylum. Uh, and the Trump administration has had three years to work on workarounds and ways to break the law and find out that the consequences for breaking the law aren't that significant. So Trump has been able to ignore directives from judges to reunite all of the children with their caregivers whom they were forcibly separated from. 
the Trump administration has found that they can argue, oh, well, some of them weren't their parents, so we don't have to return those ones. Some of the parents have already been deported, so we can't find them. There are lots of reasons given to the American public and to judges for continuing to hold kidnapped uh, migrant children and at great expense to the taxpayer, with that taxpayer money being given to private prison owners who heavily donate to the Trump campaign. So, yes, the rule of law uh, is much weaker under Trump, but our time here is not... I don't intend to spend my time bewailing the laws that Trump is breaking, but rather to urge people to use whatever parts of democracy you still have, uh, whatever right to protest, freely assemble, uh, criticise your government that you still have and make good use of it. Because Alexandra Vindman is getting fired. That's a great way to shut people up is to give out the impression that you could lose your job under Trump, the President Trump, uh, if, you, if you dare to be critical, if you dare to point out things that are not true. Uh, yeah, whilst that deterioration hasn't happened yet it is time before november um to really use all of the resources and all of the gumption that you have personally yes i'm tr i'm trying to avoid negative generalizations but to qualify my negative statements with sometimes because when we make blanket negative statements, we can make people feel too hopeless. So I'm sure many Americans care about Puerto Rico, but the US government uh, doesn't feel like sufficient pressure to take care of Puerto Rico. Uh, so yes, I'm sure that's very informative for us. And I didn't know that Puerto Rico had a great deal of natural resources that have now been all used up. And I will look into it more. Thank you for the information. Let's when I was visiting New York now, uh, on two occasions, there's been a, a parade of proud Puerto Rican Americans. Uh, and it doesn't take that many people to overturn dictatorships when people uh, show solidarity, when people occupy the streets, when people shut down normal ways of life. So the key is not to get so despondent that we stop having the, the energy to speak out. Um, the key is to, to find those areas of determination, areas where we can uh, buy into our determination. All right, I'll make my face a bit bigger again. Hello, people. Brian's pointing out that a lot of ma medical supplies are manufactured in Puerto Rico, and since the hurricane, it has negatively impacted medical supplies. That's important. Uh, I'd, I'd love for you guys to help me. I'm trying to brainstorm an ad because 7 million people have now seen that 11 films ad. In fact, we could probably watch it uh, or not because it's a little bit sad. Um, go to 11 films see if they've put out anything new today they're very successful 7 million views is is important 
Alright, now here we go. Not that one. Share a new screen. Okay. So let's, oh, I need to say share audio first. Just share screen and tick this time, I will tick the share audio button, share. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed watching that. Now you've added yourselves to the, the tally of 7.7 .7 million times that that's been seen. Uh, and I hope people continue to share it and watch it because it's just a powerful anchoring in that historical moment. Uh, I have approached them because they follow me on Twitter. And, and I suggested that uh, statistics have shown, well, statistics have shown that the best way to change people's minds about Trump is actually um, showing them that he's not the self-made man that they thought he was. So that's had the biggest impact on whatever little focus groups they've done with Trump supporters to try and change their mind. And it's a very significant way to reach out, particularly to white-collar, not white-collar, working-class, blue-collar people, because Facebook is running a lot of propaganda ads. Facebook is taking money to allow lies to flourish on that platform. And it's not okay. We have to be building voters as well. And people can feel exhausted and depleted under fascism because the, the bad news is so relentless, the disregard for laws and for standards and humane considerations is so distressing to people who, who aren't rendered gleeful by the exercise of cruelty. 
so yes, it's racist people that delight in Trumpism and it's racist people that celebrate the firing of tear gas at women and children. Uh, and it's deluded people who don't care about the environmental peril that we're in. So Republicans are, in an ideological sense, the enemy of human life at present. But diplomacy is what is the better tool rather than war. So people had to go to war against Hitler because the world ignored that problem for so long. Uh, it took a war to end it. Uh, we are trying to diplomatically resolve the disparity in protectiveness. So Republicans take so much money from donors that they uh, endanger people's lives with uh, by facilitating gun violence in America, facilitating not only school shootings but just the everyday culture that allows weapons to proliferate without background checks, that allows people with domestic violence convictions to own guns, to have access to guns and to to shoot their partners and to shoot children. So I think it's 21 children are shot to death in America each day. It's, it's not a nice figure to think about in any case. So I'm now going to um, share this next video. Oh, there's an audio button that I can press like that. Good to know. Okay, so here we go again. I'll just move myself off to the side. Or is it better maybe to make it full screen? All right, here we go. Hopefully the audio is good. So how was, how was that? Had you guys seen that one as well? What are the viewer numbers on that? Let's have a look. 1.1 million views. So I hope they can piggyback off the success, the 7.7 .7 million views and have even more people see that. Um, there was a clip from Saturday Night Live in there in which, have comments been turned off? Oh, you go. Uh, 
um, uh, Saturday Night Live clip with Addie Barker. Um, not Addie Barker. Anyway, Saturday Night Live woman playing William Barr, uh, reading out loud text messages from Ambassador William Taylor. What was he called? Special Envoy William, William Taylor to Ukraine. Also a graduate of West Point like, like Pompeo, but somebody with, with honour who'd taken the position and then was sending texts saying, are we really going to withhold aid to Ukraine uh, in exchange for, for political dirt? And, and, and Gordon Sondland said, well, let's stop texting about this. Uh, you can call me. So the Saturday Night Live clip had William Barr characterising that as, yes, we better stop texting about this crime so it doesn't leave little crime footprints. And that was, in essence, evidence that it wasn't just a phone call Trump was being impeached for. It was for a plot, a plot to deceive America, a plot to misuse nearly $400 million of American taxpayer money that instead of purchasing um, American geopolitical security by helping an allied government under attack from Russia to defend itself, to stop Russia from becoming like an unchecked Hitler with European expansionist, militaristic expansionism plans. Uh, it was a plot to help Putin to to um, to ramshackle Ukraine's capacity to defend itself, uh, to to use them as as a tool to be squeezed, to be exploited for political assistance for Trump, uh, illustrating the fact that the founders wanted to make sure foreign companies, foreign countries, didn't interfere in America's elections because having a foreign leader with with leverage over the president would be very deleterious to America's national and, and international interests. That it's hard to run a country when you owe something to someone like Vladimir Putin or to the Saudi Arabian government. Oh, I know how to get rid of trolls. Haven't had many today, so that's cool. So, Brian, I'm definitely introducing you to a lot of new material at the moment. I'm proud of the choices I'm making because it's, it's good to expose people to things they haven't seen before. And now you can um, look up that Twitter account if you like. Okay, we are also going to watch something that's less entertaining and more just outright frightening, but it's a fear we need to engage with. All right, I will go... Press play and share it. So the Nazi people are marching with white facial coverings, beige white facial coverings to conceal their identities, and they're wearing sunglasses. They have a police escort and lots of expensive paid-for uniform American flags. So the protesters are walking alongside the police riding the police escort riding bicycles and the protesters are saying yep Nazis are are bad which they are but look at these identically dressed Nazis what does their banner say I agree with saying that they're murderers I'm just going to flip back and have a look to see if I can see what the sign says 
Oh, it says reclaim America. Yep, super Nazi, super Nazi behavior. Uh, hey, Harvested Beats, thanks for joining. Brian took a few days off Twitter. You needed to rest and recharge. I completely understand. We often suffer from a compulsion of thinking we need to be there for all the news. And we don't. We can take breaks. We as individuals are not individually the key. But when we are strong, when we take, when we take care of ourselves, then, uh, then we can use our collective energies to accomplish a lot. But it doesn't mean 100% of us have to be 100% switched on 100% of the time. So good for you, Brian, and I recommend everybody do that and take breaks from the news as they see fit. Uh, good breaks. Breaks are good. Whoa, my computer is not happy right now. Have I got too many things open? Very probably. All right, let's mute some things. Oh, it's hard for me to close things. I've got too many things open. Oh, I have an important thing I want to share, which is a scientific article about hair relaxer and risk of uterine um, Leomyomata in African American women, published in the American Journal of Epidi Epi Epidemiology. Epidemiology. There we go. Um, so we can just look at the abstract because that's a bit more simple than reading the whole article. Uh, and I'm. It's relevant to the Oscars and consequently to my uh, hashtag that I used, Oscars. Because Hair Love, a short film, a cartoon short film about a father helping his daughter style her, um, her massive black hair, uh, just won an Oscar. And they said, yep, we're supporting legislation called the, the Crown, Crown Legislation uh, to protect people from being subject to discriminatory uh, rules around black hair basically excluding African-American students from school, um, excluding them from their own graduation ceremonies because they have hairstyles such as um, dreadlocks, etc., that are deemed to be improper, deemed to be not respectable, etc., purely from uh, ingrained racist, racist stereotyping that says only... Uh, white styles of hair are acceptable. So let's see this abstract. Hair relaxers are used by millions of black women, possibly exposing them to various chemicals. Have I made this large yet? Let me just check. Yes. Okay. Um, I should make it fill the whole screen just for a second because I know it'll be hard to read. Okay. Okay, so um, we don't have to read the statistics. Participants reported on their hair relaxer use and um, amongst long-term users, 
the incidence rate ratios were higher. Uh, this, these findings raise the hypothesis that hair relaxer use, so we're talking about chemical straighteners, increases uterine lyomyomata risk. So that's uterine, uterine fibroids, growth in your um, uterus, that are then more likely to, I'll explain this, are more likely to rupture during uh, pregnancy and during labor. So the important thing about that is that there's already this very high death rate, three to four times the maternal death rate for African-American women uh, as opposed to, to white women. That protest, the Nazi march was in Washington, D.C. And the, um, and the, oops, And the problem, okay, so I'll just read a little bit more about it. Uterine leiomyomata are tumors of the myometrium that are responsive to estrogens and, and progesterone. So they're benign, but they're associated with significant gynecologic morbidity, i.e. death rates for women in pregnancy and labor, and are the leading indication for hysterectomy in the United States. The incidence of uterine leiomyomata is two to three times higher in U.S. black women than in U.S. white women. And the lifetime risk of uterine lyomyomata based on ultrasound evidence of preclinical and clinical disease is estimated to be as high as 80% in U.S. black women. The black-white disparity in uterine lyomyomata risk is not explained by established risk factors. So look at that. Tumors in your abdominal cavity area associated with or have an 80% incidence amongst African-American women and could be a consequence of all the women with internalized racism or externally exposed, Im imposed uh, racist considerations, like don't have fuzzy hair, frizzy hair if you want to be taken seriously at a professional level. Women who feel forced, whether they consciously know it or not, to having hair that more resembles the, the protein keratin structures of white hair. Certain, ah, oh, Brian, who is from the medical back, from the medical establishment, although establishment's been made into such a bad word by various people on the far left, but I don't mean it derogatorily, derogatorily about you, Brian. So certain uterine fibroids are linked to cancer as well. So I don't know why people don't speak out about this more because it's a critical health issue. Uh, but it's probably a sort of pro-capitalistic um, mutual conspiracy of silence. Don't hurt an industry. Don't hurt people who are involved in the manufacture or sale of chemical hair straighteners. I don't know. What stops people from talking about this? There's thousands of black women dying during childbirth each year in the US. Um, this is likely to be a significant problem. There should be more research on the subject. I should be getting more hits when I Google uh, uterine fibroids and chemical hair straighteners. Um, all right. So... Chaps, I might, I might go. Uh, 
thanks for listening today. And I'll just close. I'll see if there's any final things that I want to share with you from, uh, from Twitter today. I'll go to my messages. I tend to message myself if I see anything that I think people should be aware of. Ah, well, I can, I can do a final um, anti-Bernie's candidacy thing. Fascism certainly is in place in America, and that is why the rule of law is working so badly at the moment. You have a fascist facilitator, William Barr, in the Office of Attorney General. So there's nothing equivocal about my statements about fascism. The, the U.S., is being ruled by a fascist and fascist ideology has permeated into a lot of American minds. So Americans who are no longer prepared to examine evidence, no longer prepared to engage with facts, Americans who will cheerfully vote against their own self-interest now uh, because because of the, their irrational attachment to fascist rhetoric, which has told them that they too can share in this uh, deranged pretense of shared omnipotence, that they can all share in the power introduced by Trumpism, that not only will he protect the white demographic majority of America, which was due to expire pretty soon, uh, because demographically speaking, America is becoming more ethnically diverse and it was soon to become a majority minority country that is to say there would be more people from minority backgrounds than there would be people from from white backgrounds and that's very important for everybody to realize so this uh tweet says you realize that no democrat has won the nomination without a majority of black support since dukakis in 1988 uh so yes, I think uh, he was probably a bad nominee, Dukakis, from just what people are saying in the comments. Uh, I'm glad Harry says he's not ready to bury Biden. Uh, it's very important because we've only heard from two predominantly white conservative states. Oh, well, actually, no, from Iowa, which is one. Biden is ahead of Bernie in lots of states. And... Trump is cancelling primaries in states like South Carolina and Republicans are registering to vote for Bernie. So that's why I am bothering to take the time to criticise Bernie very heavily because I can't just look away whilst a spoiler candidate um, gets endorsed by lots of Republicans who want Trump to oppose Bernie, knowing the uh, spirited antipathy that many, many Americans and that probably most American independent voters feel towards a candidate like Bernie who is fairly staunchly and dilutedly socialist. And America has a mixture of socialism and capitalism. It has a mixture of private enterprise and publicly owned enterprises, publicly owned infrastructures and, and institutions that benefit the US. And even though Yes, America needs a corrective force because Republican uh, rhetoric has 
infiltrated so strongly that a lot of the gains of progressive, um, you know, unionism and, and fighting for public education and, and votes for women and all those type of social gains have, uh, many of them have been erased by this lurch towards the right uh, in US politics. So I can see the attraction to Bernie, but because people don't like the idea of undiluted socialism, people still like the idea of capitalism, it employs Americans and capitalism distributes some of the profits. So they don't mind that much about income inequality uh, as long as they feel they're safe from the perils of communism, which says we'll give everybody the same amount, but, you know, is so strongly redistributive that it disincentivizes a lot of entrepreneurship. Americans don't want to disincentivize entrepreneurship. They want businesses to succeed. They want businesses to employ people. They want families to be able to continue to provide for each other and to take care of each other. Um, so yes, I know there's lots of material that Republicans could have against um, Yes. I'm just reading the comment, sorry, still, which says that one small 97% white state voted. Wow, Iowa's 97% white. And yes, don't bury Biden. He's the guy who's second in national polling and fourth in endorsements. So I'm really still hoping that um, Biden picks Kamala Harris for his running mate because that would help to consolidate uh, support from a lot of um, black American communities and help enthuse younger people as well who want to see a powerful, competent woman in power. Yes, how far away is Super, Super Tuesday? And unionism is under brutal attack and, and that means lots of people, lots of people miss out uh, on the protections offered by collectivised bargaining that helps wages, that pushes wages up. All right. Anything else that I want to show you? Mm. What would make, what would make you guys, uh, what would interest you guys in sharing, sharing things more? I try and produce interesting material each time I broadcast, but I do also want to work with the grain rather than try to cut against the grain. So if you guys have any feed, you, you folks have any feedback as to topics of interest to you uh, and how you feel I could better package and sell to the public the idea of Trump's uh, economic ineptitude, his his inability to lead the US through any type of economic challenges. Let me know. Yes, I wonder if Kamala left the race. Well, she ostensibly left the race because it was hard to fundraise. Um, media tends to give less attention and take less seriously female candidates. So I think America maybe needs the baby steps of having a female candidate as a vice president first before a, a female president. 
not that I want to speak definitively about this, but I also know that Elizabeth Warren does not have majority, a significant amount of support from African-Americans. And so I'm just going to trust their judgment uh, and, and say, yep, they must know that her appeal is not sufficient. Hello, thanks for joining in with today's episode. It covers uh, the health risks of chemical hair straighteners and the paucity of effective legislation ever proposed by Bernie Sanders in relation to civil rights and pretty much anything. So yes, please don't support spoiler candidates. Recognize uh, that America is a mixture of socialism and capitalism, but that uh, undiluted socialists lack sufficient sufficient popularity to ever uh, win an election at an electoral college level. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and yeah, thanks for tuning in.